Annyeong SAO! Welcome to Afternoon Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists and your K-Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unnees. As you may be able to tell, we are not Leah, Megan, or Amy, but instead you have myself and my co-host, Grace. And we've taken over for a guest edition of Afternoon of Delight. Um, and the girls, the girls are really trusting us because they've not even seen this script. And we've both just, I think, screwed up this kind of annual essay all that we were trying to say. like <laughs> So this could all be a bit of a hot mess. So any screw ups are completely due to uh, me and Grace. So please excuse those. Uh, and thank you, Afternoon uh, Nooners, for the faith you have in us guys. Um, so in this episode, what we're hoping to do is introduce ourselves, talk a little bit about our background, how we came to K-dramas, and hopefully answer a few questions that have come up in our K-drama viewing. And what we'd like to come back and do this regularly with some new topics and potentially uh, launch a, a sister pod um, that will answer some of the many, many, many questions that come up during our K-drama watching. Uh, and they might be big and thematic questions like how patriarchal Korean society is and how that affects like the lives of women. Or what is the deal with studying so hard that your nose bleeds? Uh, and what does all this studying do for your mental health uh, for Korean people? To smaller ones like does blowing on a wound really help heal your little boo-boo or does it only work when your oppa is doing it to you also what is with people involved in workplace romances calling each other ceo and assistant manager <laughs> in more <laughs> intimate settings we'd love to hear your feedback on this episode and any questions you might have do you want to hear more from us um, what topics would you like to hear covered you can email us at the main afternoon of delight email which is afternoon of delight podcast at gmail.com yay but um so first let's introduce ourselves to you um so for chinese speakers how? Which is Sarah. My name is Sarah. I post on Instagram and Twitter under at KDrama This. And I also write a review blog at www.kdramadis.com. And I've been lucky enough to guest host on the Afternoon podcast a few times now, namely for Hometown Cha Cha Cha, King's Affection, 2521. Extraordinary Tiny Woo, and hopefully soon, or it might have already dropped by the time you listen to this one, Moon Lovers Scarlet Heart Rio, which I did with Leah. Um, and apologies to those who may have already heard this when I covered it in the very first pod that I did, but my background brief bio from me. Um, so I'm British born Chinese. My parents are from Hong Kong. And I currently live in Cambridge with my husband and, and two kids. And growing up, I watched uh, a ton of Hong Kong dramas and listened to loads of Canto pop. So I was lucky to grow up bilingual in English and Cantonese. At university, I decided I want to major in Chinese. So I also learnt Mandarin. I learned to read and write and I spent a year studying in China. Um, and in the past, I've worked as a, a journalist uh, with Reuters, which I think I mentioned on the 2521 podcast that I did with Megan, who's also an ex-journalist. Uh, and now I work part-time for the university at, in Cambridge. So like the Nooners, I discovered K-dramas in a big way during COVID lockdown. And my gateway drama was the same as theirs, which was Crash Landing on You. 
And very similar to them, I kind of, that was, you know, the gateway down the rabbit hole. And since then, I've watched barely any Western dramas and consumed nearly only K-dramas. Um, I've watched a few Chinese dramas, but until uh, Love Between Fairy and Devil, uh, which the Nunas have just uh, uh, done a deep dive on and loved, uh, I've not found ones that grip me as much, which is kind of a shame because I'd really love to keep using my Mandarin. Um, but since finding the whole Dongfang Qingchang love, I am now up for any comps for this drama. So if you have them, ping us. Uh, and I'm always open to rec, so feel free to message me via my social media channels anytime. And my name is Grace. Uh, I do not post regularly on any socials, and I have not been a guest on any of the regular Afternoon of Podcasts. But listeners have probably heard my name mentioned as I have occasionally corrected pronunciations, commented on translations, and suggested go back couple to the Nunas for one of the podcast episodes. I'm Korean American originally from Southern California and now living in Northern California with my husband and two kids. And I unfortunately did not study Korean in college. I was um, a biology pre-med major, like Nadine from <laughs> Singles Inferno 2, uh, uh, turned political science pre-law uh, student. Uh, after law school, I worked as an attorney for about four years before quitting to be a stay-at-home mom. Now that my kids are in school most of the day, I am thinking about going back to school to be a children's librarian. Eh, like Amy. <laughs> like Amy. So I should probably talk to her about it. She, she might uh, not. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably overly idealizing it, but I like the idea. Anyway, I um actually grew up, uh, or sort of grew up uh, watching K-dramas, but I rediscovered them in about 2017 um, after a non-Korean American friend of my, mine and I had a conversation about all the K-pop and K-dramas he had gotten into and how he was learning Korean. Shout out to Robert if he ever listens to this. Um, and then the pandemic kicked the obsession into high gear. Um, I feel really lucky that my Korean seems to have gotten a little bit better as a result of watching all of the K-dramas, um, though it is still very far from good. Um, so if I say something wrong, please feel <laughs> free to correct me. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, um, I grew up speaking and hearing a lot of Korean, so my pronunciation is pretty decent, uh, but my grammar is terrible. Um, so if I told my Korean American friends and family um, that I go around correcting Korean pronunciations and <laughs> translation, they would probably have a good laugh. <laughs> but anyway, we're all learning and um, hopefully I can help um, with some of the Korean, even though mine isn't the greatest. So I heard like Korean, Korean grammar is pretty, is it pretty difficult? Um, it is. It's kind of the opposite of uh, English grammar. So it's totally flipped around. So anyone who's dabbled in learning a little bit of Korean, that is um, one of the, the stumbling blocks for sure. Um, just trying to figure out how to put together a sentence in a way that sounds natural which is not my specialty. Oh. So, 
yeah it's really interesting because actually Chinese is the opposite it's like Chinese grammar is so super simple um especially things like verbs like if you've learned any European languages and you have to learn how to conjugate things and learn the feminine and masculine terms of this that and the other but uh Chinese grammar is really straightforward uh so it's actually mainly the 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 writing system and to a certain extent the pronunciation that's like really p- puts people off I think anyway that mm. went off a bit of script <laughs> but it was interesting okay. to um so Sarah what's your afternoon delight origin story how did you discover the pod and when did you start listening um so I'm a huge historical romance fan which I think I mentioned in the King's Affection podcast um and it's my go-to genre and one of my favorite authors in the genre is Sarah McLean who is also um the author Sarah McLean so she's uh one half of a podcast called Fated Mates which uh, Leah has Leah has mentioned a few times uh, and is a really great podcast uh, for other people looking for romance writing podcasts um but she also has a Facebook group uh called I think it's the old school romance book club the osrbc is how it gets abbreviated to and there's a subgroup of that uh which got formed called osrbc asian dramas um so when so actually crash landing on you was recommended by me by to me by um a film producer friend of mine so shout out uh <laughs> to Yi Liu for sending me down this rabbit hole i'm very grateful but there was also posts on the facebook group about this drama and then signposting to this uh, subgroup so I went on there to find other people that had become so obsessed with crash landing like I had and it's where I found all the Nunas and I found Megan's wreck of I am not a robot uh, and I absolutely freaking love I am not a robot if anyone follows me on Instagram I've been like massively posting about it because I just did a rewatch of it and it was so satisfying but um anyway the hosts are all on there they're being pretty modest about their podcast podcast rather so every now and then they they went through they don't do this anymore actually they're um since now they're so successful no they don't do this so much anymore um but they used to kind of go on comment go oh we actually just did this podcast episode on this you know topic (laughs) like if you want to have a listen here's the link um anyway so um I went on there and I looked it up and then I was like oh my god this podcast is for me because it's romance writers talking about k-dramas and they had not one but two entire episodes where they just talked about Gila they talked about (laughs) mole hair they sung to Michael (laughs) learns to rock and I was like I'm in this is my podcast this is like I found my people because I have no one in real life to talk to about k-dramas and everybody thinks I'm nuts and they I think they started like unlike you know unfollowing me because I was just on Facebook going like (laughs) Guys, oh no watch this drama it's really amazing anyway so then I became a patron when that launched and honestly it's just like my happy space now I feel like all these people I have never met in real life are my friends um so anyway so what about yeah. you in fact you you've done an in real life meet right just recently I did yes um so although it was it was for afternoon army and I wasn't army before the meetup, but I became <laughs> ARMY <laughs> after uh, because we watched, uh, we watched, because uh, uh, the BTS concert um, in Busan, um, yet to come, yeah. was, um, you know, on the big screens. And so uh, a few of us met up, um, Leah um, and um, Megan from the Afternoon ARMY podcast um, were among the people I met up with. But now we, um, we're always talking about BTS and we like formed like a cut ca- 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 talk 
like group chat and oh, we like send wow. each other bts stickers and things oh, like that it's so fun <laughs> oh i think it's so hilarious we've become um i mean like um, i was because i went to go and see yet to come um uh at the cinema i missed it because i got covid the main release so then I had to like go all the way into like the next town along to go and see this like viewing in the middle of what is traditionally like children's bedtime so I had to like get a favor off my husband um (laughs) but anyway I went alone because I don't know anybody who is remotely army uh that is local to me um anyway so I posted about it on Instagram and uh and and Leah was like come and be army and I was just like (laughs) I can't can't," because honestly I see you guys and you freak me out like how much time (laughs) And, and then and then she's like, no, no, but you can do it moderately. Like, Amy does it moderately. You don't have to become as insane as me. And I was just like, well, yeah, it's kind of happening organically. So probably it's going <laughs> to be. True. It will happen. Or, it will happen one day, I think. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So what's your origin story? Um, oh, okay. So I found Afternoon of Delight through Facebook, too. Um, it, it actually started with another Facebook group. Uh, Facebook group I'm in um, for for an organization called BAN, the Black and Asian Alliance Network. Um, Back in 2020, I posted about diverse romance novels in that group and mentioned that I also love K-dramas. And somebody dropped a recommendation for the OSRBC Asian Dramas group in the comments. So I joined and I saw one of the Nuna's post you know like you said they did early on about a podcast there and so I listened and then I listened to all of the the episodes that had already dropped um and it was pretty early on I think maybe like six episodes had dropped at that point so I've been a super fan since and (laughs) I became a patron on their patreon as soon as that started too and I agree it's it really is like a group of friends I've never met and um, it's really wonderful to connect over a love of Asian dramas um, because like I recently, I mean, because talking to people you meet in real life about liking dramas is almost always like the worst, most awkward mistake. <laughs> I recently like struck up a conversation with like a, a fellow kindergarten mom at a birthday party. And I mentioned that I was watching Love Between um uh, fairy and devil and she just looked at me like I have no time for this <laughs> it was really just, I was like oh yeah oh yeah okay this is not normal <laughs> I can't bring this up in regular conversation <laughs> that is so funny well, it reminds me of like uh I felt like I did like this cultural thing you know that like um uh, uh white people do to sometimes to, to minorities of just assuming because you're like the minority that you just represent everything that you love about their culture but anyway I I did that because I went to Korea and um I had I was lucky enough to be uh had a, a colleague who was gonna like kind of show me around and I was just like talking to her about k-dramas and I was just like you know I just kind of assumed that she watched them and then like after a while of me going like ah, like just just like info dumping like about k-dramas on her she's like yeah I don't really watch them and I was like oh, oh I feel really stupid oh, I know I know I know I mean I totally understand because because I got to love between fairy and devil from like this conversation about how they speak Mandarin at home and I was like oh I'm watching something <laughs> in Mandarin right now it's like okay I'm sorry that was a mistake <laughs> oh dear 
Uh, anyway, so I also thought it would be quite good for us to have a little chat about how we watch dramas growing up because um, I certainly found it interesting and and in a way we're like um, we're products of our generation, right, Grace? Because we're kind of old. Um, yeah, so we're a similar age. <laughs> but I'm not dissing. I'm not dissing Grace. I'm not saying like, <laughs> no. no, we are similar age. So I'm I'm just saying that this is this is you know who we are. Um, and I actually realised even though I'm British Chinese and Grace is Korean American that we actually had a real similar experience. You know, despite being on opposite sides of the world, about how how we kind of as a diaspora went and kind of got uh, our fix of, of our own culture, or or basically our parents did. Um, but yeah, our experience is really old school and it's properly old because it's VHS tapes. Um, <laughs> so we got our VHS tapes from this. And I think you guys, you were definitely the same because we chatted about this. We got uh, our VHS tapes from this tiny Chinese grocery store in this really tiny, small English market town I grew up in. And if you're watching a series that's super long, which like a lot of Chinese dramas are, as you as, as people who watch Chinese dramas uh, nowadays know, it could go up to like 60 tapes, right? And if you return the ones you've watched, but someone else had the next set of episodes, you're just, well, then you're just screwed, right? You just have to wait until somebody's returned those tapes. So uh, so yeah, it's the same for you, right? What what kind of shows did you watch back in, in those VHS days? <laughs> Yes, um, almost exactly the same, except for um, our video store was actually a separate kind of hole in the wall store next to what was then a very small Zion market in San Diego. Um, and I started watching probably in middle school um, and early high school. And my mom would get, I think about eight to 10 tapes at a time. So those were my first experiences binge watching shows. Like we would be popping in tape after tape and bawling our eyes out into the wee hours of the oh, night. That's so awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the titles I remember from that period were um, like Moreshige Ircham O, which is um, 1.5 generation. Uh, Autumn in My Heart and Winter Sonata. Then there was this one about a girl who was switch at birth, who was trying to make it as a designer at a shoe company that actually belonged to her birth family, I think. And then, you know, I mean, back then, <laughs> every drama had a very central amnesia and or cancer and or switched at birth plot line. <laughs> and the mellows were way more tragic, you know, like, somebody like loses an eye or like, you know, m many more not happy, happily ever after endings than happy ones. Um, at least that's, that's what I recall. Or maybe it's like this, the trauma of like crying over the ones that were not happy in the end. <laughs> that just stuck with me. Um, anyway, um, I, you know, I also watched those super long, you know, 60 episode, um, dramas like there was this family drama that I watched um, that was my first introduction to a black Korean actor and I remember being so impressed like wow like he's Korean like he sounds Korean even though like he's and I didn't know that that existed um, back in the day and I still wonder about him and the reason I'm mentioning it is just so in case anybody remembers that they can like tell me about <laughs> tell me about this actor because I wonder about like how he's doing in life now because he was really cute too <laughs> oh yeah so email, email the podcast if you know what Grace is talking about guys we need to hunt this guy down we should bring him on for an interview that would be really fun yeah 
that would be great. Um, but do you remember any of the C-drama titles um, from growing up or like the snippets of plots like I do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they sound quite similar. We definitely had a lot of amnesia and cancer plots growing up. That seems to be like an Asia drama thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm lucky because all the best Cantonese dramas, and I'm not biased, this is genuinely how people feel about Cantonese dramas. It was like a golden period uh, of, of Hong Kong dramas that I was lucky enough to catch as a child watching growing up. And it was like a, yeah, a real golden period for, for Hong Kong dramas. Famous actors that you might have heard of from this time are... Uh, Zhao Yunfat, or Zhao Yunfat, uh, Tony Leung, who was recently in Shang-Chi, uh, the Marvel movie, and uh, Leslie Chung, who gets name-dropped a lot, actually, all come from this era. Michelle Yeoh, obviously, who has uh, been winning, and hopefully he's going to win the Oscar for Everything, every, everything Everywhere, All at Once. Um yeah. So all of that stuff, uh, all of this actors, sorry, they they really cut their teeth in this era. So, and the influence of Hong Kong drama really came into Asia, I think. And actually, it's been fun for me to kind of appreciate it from a Korean drama perspective, because they have a lot of cultural references in shows like Reply in 1988, where they all crowd around the TV to watch uh, this famous Hong Kong movie and sing its theme tune in Cantonese, which I thought was really fun. Um, so that was A Better Tomorrow, and it's very imaginative titled sequel A Better Tomorrow 2 directed by the very famous John John Woo uh, and then also there's a scene in My Mister where the brothers live out this fancy life of dressing up as Hong Kong actors with their like black sunglasses and suits um, but my probably my deepest memories are probably for the historical um, what we'd call wuxia dramas so uh, they are all based on a, 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 an author called Jing Rong uh, or Gam Yong, uh, who produces, uh, who wrote the original books, and they have been there's been like multiple versions of this. There's probably been like six or seven remakes of these dramas. They do them like every generation. They'll they'll get like the new hottest actors and and remake the drama. But you know, for me, the classics are obviously the ones I wrote I watched when I was growing up. So there were things like. The Legend of the Condor Heroes, which is Sedu Ying Hongjun, or the Heaven Sword and Dragon Saber, which is uh, Yitin Tolongge. Um, so these are kind of like classic dramas for those of us who grew up watching Chinese wuxia. Um, and then very similar stories to current K-dramas. So rom-coms, legal dramas, police procedurals, variety shows, music shows. So we had stuff like American Idol way before American Idol Law. Uh, it was a thing and big event shows like shows for Chinese New Year etc and then I think Japanese dramas had a mini heyday so a massive drama I think I was chatting to Grace about this when I was young was this really epically long historical drama charting the life of a young Japanese woman uh, which in Cantonese was called Asun uh, and then then it charted her life from when she was young to old and this was like huge in Asia like everybody was uh watching it I actually went to google it and it's called Oshin and it's one of the country's most watched serials of all time and it's aired in 68 countries did you did you ever watch this one Grace? I didn't um I I actually and I don't have any recollection of that plot so I'm pretty sure I did, <laughs> but it I, it sounds fascinating. I love uh, multi generational sagas and you know stories like that. So it would totally be up my alley if it it became available. I don't know if it is anywhere though, no, right? You might have to look it up. It's properly tragic though, you know, like it's properly Asian 
you know everything that's terrible happens to this character oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway uh <laughs> korean dramas is now the thing right so how you has where you know it's it's how you always not just come to western shores it's definitely in asia so loads of hong kong people i know rubbish what is produced in hong kong they really love korean dramas i know from my japanese friends that it's really huge in japan so um Grace, are you able to tell us a bit more about how Koreans watch their own K-dramas? Because, um, I mean, do they binge them all on Netflix the way we do? Um, That's actually a pretty good question because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, my guess is that, uh, yes, they do, um, at least the younger generation. Um, and and this is uh, well, just what I'm picking up from the conversations uh, that I've seen on Physical 100 and Singles Inferno about Singles Inferno, <laughs> the first Singles Inferno. Um, so I think Netflix is actually getting pretty big. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been back to Korea since 2013 um, and a lot has changed uh, in the past decade. So um, I'm really not sure. Um, I do recall from my childhood summer visits that sometimes the adults would watch dramas after the evening news. And based on depictions um, in current K-dramas like Chairman Grandpa in Business Proposal, um, uh, it seems like regularly scheduled programming still is a common way uh, for older adults to um, watch these dramas. But, you know, like I said before, I wouldn't be surprised if all the younger people um, get their content through uh, streaming platforms, just like <laughs> you said that, uh, your your um, kind of companion and guide doesn't watch Korean dramas, so you didn't really get into that, or did you ask? Well, anyway? so I yeah, so she didn't uh, she didn't really watch dramas, but her boss did. So her boss is the one actually came to Cambridge. So he's he's a he's a professor at the SNU. So I was like, oh, that's a guy from SNU coming to anyway. Um, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, uh, obviously, we talked about work. But then then at some point, obviously, I just had to kind of pin him and tell him about how much I love K-dramas. And, um, you know, like, a few sentences in, he was like, this is not the conversation I thought I'd be having in Cambridge. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the academic that's going to talk to you about, you know, like industrial um strategy which is kind of what my my day job involves anyway it turns out that he is a fan so he um does uh does watch uh, k-dramas um and and he watches them of an evening as well so i think he does watch them them live but um ah. definitely something uh grace and i both want to do is bring on um people on the podcast to for us to ask all of these questions too um so we're not just relying on on on, on grace to kind of like represent all <laughs> um, yes oh. <laughs> because i mean yes i don't i don't i'm definitely not representative um even among korean americans it's like you know we've all had different experiences and you know uh but although um the you know my friends my Korean American friends who watch dramas, they all they all watch on Netflix and Vicky and things like that too. Um, and oh, I have heard though that some people who speak better Korean or who have parents living with them uh, use on-demand Korea because it gives access to even more content, including news and documentaries. Uh -huh. um, but my mom shares my Netflix and Vicky accounts for her um, K-drama viewing. And my dad, um, 
just watch his synopses vid synopsis videos um, on YouTube that like condense all 16 episodes into one hour. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's a very different viewing experience, <laughs> but I guess that works for him. I found that fascinating. I remember when I was reading it, I was like, I was like, what does he, what does he get from watching? Like, does it mean that he can like chat about with his friends, but doesn't have to actually go through the 16 hours of like K-drama watching? I find that, so, I find that so interesting. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's to chat about it with my mom. But it, the way he explained it to me was that, you know, my mom is very disciplined. She can watch one episode per night and wow. turn it off. Wow. But my dad is like, no, I would just watch it straight through the night and not sleep and not do anything. So I need to do it this way. Otherwise, it will take over my life. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, so I take after my dad more, I guess. <laughs> That is, that's a kind of, yeah, okay, that's a healthy way to approach, maybe we should all be doing that, you know. Maybe, no, maybe, but maybe. it's not as enjoyable. It's really not, is it? It's not, it's not where the joy is. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, so, anyway, so what, what is, so we've kind of covered this earlier, but we'll talk a, bit, a little bit more about what this pod is going to be about. So, um, so basically, it's an idea. I, I was really excited to be asked by Leah if I had any ideas for an additional podcast. And as you all know, and Grace has mentioned, uh, there is actually a sister podcast to the Afternoon Delight podcast, which is Afternoon Army, which is going great guns. Um, and, you know, in my baby steps to, I'm still trying to avoid being Army, but I am gradually being joined into the net. So I have been listening to some of the, uh, <laughs> Uh, the 101 the 101 podcast and the Bangtan University so if you are in any way like me army curious then I can recommend the pod because the guys I mean they know a lot right they know so much so much, uh, so much, so but, much. Uh, and it's uh but it's really fun Anyway, so we also have ambitions to be a super uh, sister pod. Uh, and this is kind of a little tester episode for both us as presenters and also you guys as listeners. Uh, and what we want to do with this pod is um, because we both really love lots of the, the, the so there's done lots of uh, podcasts where they ask lots of questions, right? And I have lots and lots of questions. Um, and I feel like I learn a lot about uh, Korean culture and history and things from watching K-drama, but it often leaves me with lots of questions. Um, so, for example, when they did like uh, the podcast where they talked about Reply 1988 and they talked about why bananas are so expensive in Korea in 1988. Um, I love that. Like, I'm just a bit of a of a funny geek with stuff like that. So anyway, that's an extension uh, of that. But we also want to feature... Uh, Asian owned voices so I would love to speak to you know because I know for example Korean drama is so huge in like the Philippines and in Indonesia uh, and other parts of Asia and I would just really love to speak to you know listeners uh, uh, K-drama fans from other countries in Asia to kind of hear what their experiences are uh, and also we uh, will be doing so I'm recording a podcast another one with um, our two guest hosts for this part two of Extraordinary Attorney Wu who spoke about the autistic portrayal so an autistic's own uh, own voices uh, section of the podcast um, but for this one um, I was really keen to get uh, Grace on board obviously as she's Korean American and uh, and we have our own Asian voices uh, on uh, this topic 
Thank you. Yeah, um, I was really, really excited uh, that you thought of me and I'm grateful that you asked me to be on um, because I also really enjoyed the We Have Questions episodes and I generally um, really, really love the uh, deep dive episodes on, you know, uh, you know, the early ones where it was like, two whole episodes on various dramas and things like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, the uh, extraordinary attorney Wu, um, uh, podcast also, there was, there was two episodes, um, at one where we heard from autistic K drama viewers and from you too, um, since you have experience, um, uh, with an autistic family member. Um, and you know, I am also kind of a funny geek. <laughs> uh, so I really appreciate the podcast where I get to learn backstories, context, personal experiences, fun facts, and all of those things. Um, and I thought it was really cool, um, your your idea to have um, Asian-owned voices was really cool also. Um, because I feel like, you know, um, Asian viewers, Asian diaspora viewers, you know, uh, pick up different things when we watch uh, yes. these Asian dramas than um, maybe Western viewers do. And so um, I think it'd be really great to, um, uh, you know, share share those kinds of um, observations and experiences of watching dramas from a place of kind of more cultural familiarity and also personal discovery. Yeah. Um, what I mean by personal discovery is that, you know, some of us, like me, very much so, um, uh, diaspora Asians didn't always identify with our Asian-ness yes. as much as with the country and culture we were raised in. Um, it may not be like a like an overt pressure, but there's always this kind of underlying pressure to assimilate. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up thinking of myself primarily as an American. Um, now, at the ripe old age of 39, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I am um, kind of rediscovering my, uh, you know, cultural, Korean cultural identity. Um, so it's really exciting for me to have this additional impetus to dig more deeply into um, my own heritage. Um, and yeah, just talk about things that um, things that I learned from these dramas. So after Sarah reached out to me um, more on how this all got started, um, we had a chat to brainstorm and plan. Um, and some of the topics we discussed in our first meeting were about um, maybe doing one episode about filial piety and Confucianism or feminism in South Korea. Uh, the South Korean legal and education systems, uh, adoption and family separation, um, and also the K entertainment industry. Um, so those are some of our um, ideas for future episodes. And as Sarah mentioned before, we are hoping to bring on some guests or guest hosts who have a bit more uh, direct knowledge on the topics we will investigate for Example, as I mentioned before, once upon a time I was a lawyer. 
<laughs> and I went to a large law school with a big international LLM program. Um, an LLM is a legal master's program that people who are already lawyers attend to get training in some specialized area of law or to extend their professional network. Um, and that school happened to have a rather sizable Korean contingent whom I did not keep in touch with. <laughs> However, <laughs> I hope that, you know, if I reach out that somebody who is also, you know, a fan of dramas will uh, be gracious enough to come and share with us, um, like, their views on the depictions of law practice in Korean dramas. Great. That would be so good. Um, I have a lot of questions about Korean law. In... <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that would be, I know it sounds really weird, but it would be really fun. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So I feel like I should hear this, like, you know, that afternoon of delight, like uh, theme music playing for this bit now. Anyway, so <laughs> learn Korean section. So in the main podcast, as you know, they have their favorite part, which is the K-pop wreck of the week. So on here, because we're a little bit more nerdy, obviously, we're going to have a learn Korean section. Um, so, Yay! <laughs> uh, and as obviously I don't speak Korean, I'll be the one who's trying to learn the word and mispronounce it. Yay! So um, so you don't have to feel embarrassed. If you get to do it in the car, I have to do it on, 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 you know, live on this pod. So I wanted to do two things. One is for us all to learn one Korean word per podcast so we can all very gradually get to know some Korean um, and the second <laughs> idea for me was to nail the pronunciation of some common words or actors names in Korean which we probably in fact definitely mangle so on that I'm going to start with asking about one of our favorite oppas uh, who was uh, featured heavily in early afternoon delight podcasts and that's Ji Chang-wook and um, so we are probably mangling uh, his uh, his uh, name. So how should we be saying it, Grace? Is it Wook? Or... Uh, it's it's Wook. Um, actually, it's Ji Chang Wook. Ji Chang Wook. Um, yeah. So I should also, you know, Wook is 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 difficult. Um, but also, I should mention that there is no um, hard A sound. Um, in the Korean language. So the second syllable is uh, chang, like aha uh, chang, um, not chang like bing. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah, and so, you know, actually uh, the fact that there's no hard A sound um, is something that you can see in dramas sometimes. Um, like recently uh, I watched Love to Hate You. So there's a, a character in that drama whose name is Grace. And um, and you hear them say, which is actually the way that um, my relatives refer to me yeah. and call me because I, I never responded to um, my Korean name, which is Unhe and also means grace. Ah. Um, so they say, they always said, and that's because there is no A sound, it's A-E. So if you run it together real fast, it's and so you sort of get that A, but there's no A, like hard A, like single sound in, in Korean. So again, ji chang uk. Ji chang uk. Is that okay? mm -hmm. Very good. 
Yay! Yay! That's um, cool. Wait, wait. While we're at it, um, will you give Dong Fan Ching Sung? That last syllable in particular is really hard. It is. And it's also not helped by. So, like Chinese, unlike actually, unlike Korean, the. Um, Standard way of writing Chinese is standardized, right? So as long as you learn pinyin, which is the um, romanization of Chinese characters and sounds, they're all regular. So you will always spell particular characters in the same way. So unlike Korean, where you seem to have like lots of different ways to spell like the same word. Um, so, but uh, it does mean that they kind of took some words like Qs and Zs. Uh, and made them a very specific Chinese pronunciation and you kind of have to learn it in order to get it right so that's why it's quite confusing because I don't think those of us who read western characters um, look at a cue and kind of want to you know make it a, a, a like a western sound of it but actually my my tip so dong fang I think is pretty straightforward so dong fang so dong means east fang means uh, region so dong fang means uh, he comes from the east with them so dong fang is his surname and the second two words are ting tang. So ting is, so I would recommend you just think of it as C-H-I-N-G. So ching, um, it means clear and tang means to hide. And tang is uh, tang, yeah, ting tang. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, similar to, uh, so again, I'd kind of like think of it as C-H-A-N-G almost. So it's a little bit easier, but take away a little bit more of the H, the H so Ting's tongue. Mm. Anyway, so there you are. Ching but you could tong. say it really quickly. <laughs> Try saying it. Ching I mean, yeah, there's like tones also um, that uh, I'm sure apply here um, that you kind of elide over if you say it quickly right <laughs> yeah, exactly. and also I mean I would say for anyone who's learning Mandarin and, and like because so, so Mandarin has has four tones Cantonese has, has nine so it's even crazier but Mandarin has four tones but I would just say like if you're learning most Mandarin speakers can get what tone you mean from the context of your word so even if you mangle and I mangle my tones quite a lot uh, and obviously I have a very Cantonese accent when I'm speaking Mandarin because Cantonese is my mother tongue um, but um, yeah so I would just say like if you are learning Mandarin just uh, ignore the tones don't ignore the tones but don't 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 <laughs> worry too much about getting them like spot on because most native speakers will understand what you're trying to say from your context that sounds so. good Thank oh, you. But, anyway, so no, thank you. So that was really. Fun. <laughs> I feel like I can now try to say ji tang, Um So the new word of the day. Since um, we're asking lots of questions, I thought we could start with the word for question in Korean, an example of how we might use this. Um, okay, so the word for question in Korean is chilmun, uh, and chilmun, and do you have a question? Would be uh, or um, and there are different levels of like politeness and honorifics based on to whom you are speaking and I am not super good at them <laughs> <laughs> but both of these are pretty polite <laughs> both of these are pretty polite um, uh, so yeah uh, is question and or chilmun isumnika is oh. how you ask, do you have a question? Oh, it's so nice hearing you speak Korean, Grace. You've got <laughs> such a nice Thank sounding you. voice. It's so lovely. 
<laughs> anyway, so hopefully you. you guys have learned how to say Ji Chang Wook's name properly and know how to say the word question, <laughs> even if you can't. <laughs> Oh, and so one one thing that um that I I learned not too long ago, but I think really helps with explaining how to pronounce Korean is there's a lot of aspirated consonant sounds. So breathing through um, a lot of the pronunciation actually in, increases like like how well uh, how how uh, like good <laughs> your pronunciation is so oh. you can say ji chang changuk ji changuk um doesn't sound as like as korean as chi chi because you like breathe through that j sound chi changuk chi changuk so if you like breathe through it because those consonants are often aspirated it sounds like better Korean. <laughs> you know what? It's also really funny. It's like I was thinking like, you know how like in Singles Inferno 2, where Nadine, you know, she switches from like English to Korean and she says in her introduction how people always say that she sounds more cute in Korean. I don't know if you thought that, but I was wondering whether or not it's partly this kind of this aspirated, like constant kind of effect because actually English is pretty like tonally, I think quite hard. Um, even though I think American English is softer than, say, British English, um, but definitely compared to Korean, um, that it sounds more kind of, yeah, more gentle. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely um, have noticed um, that, you know, the American, um, Korean spoken with an American accent, it often has less of that aspirate like that aspirated sound yeah and that's how kind of um you can pick up on oh that person is like korean american not a native oh, yeah. korean speaker yeah, yeah yeah um um and and actually like in the in the bts like chat room we <laughs> we um we discussed how like um there are times when like the members will put on like uh, an Americanized Korean accent or put on like a Busan Saturi or whatever. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, they basically kind of just drop the aspiration uh, a little bit from, uh, from their Korean. And then it sounds like, you know, they're, they you know, they have American, American accent, accent Korean. Korean, a little That's bit so more, a little bit more. Yeah. That's so interesting. I love, I mean, I would love to hear like that language from it. I mean, I did think, cause when I was sitting there listening to the yet to come, I was feeling like I was congratulating myself slightly. Cause whenever they did drop into the Pusan accent, I was like, I know that accent. Like I know, I can, I can recognize <laughs> it now. Like I've come on. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So the rest of the pod, I thought um, it'd also be fun to do a bit of a get to know us via our drama taste section. So I set this homework, not realizing actually that the homework sounded fun, but was actually really hard to do. So I was, I was slightly <laughs> regretting setting this question because I was like, oh my God, like, why did we ask this? Anyway, so the homework that I set Grace and I set myself was to name five dramas that represent us and represent our K-drama taste. So they don't have to be your top five. They're just five dramas to know me um hmm. and I thought at the time hey isn't that fun and then I sat down to do my five and I was like oh my god this is so hard 
<laughs> so, you know, oftentimes I, I'm listening to the Nunas do their podcast. I always like sit there and think, oh, I love this question. Like, I would like to be able to answer this question. So you guys, you know, like post, uh, you know, if you're in the Patreon, post in the Patreon or like on my Instagram, like five dramas to get to know you. You will realize how flipping hard it is. So anyway, my five are my mister, healer, I am not a robot, love between fairy and devil and one spring night. So I think firstly, you can tell that I love my romance because all of them are romance heavy other than obviously my <laughs> mister. Um, but uh, I guess the other things, so the dramas, other than my mister, the dramas that I think tell you about my romance are just romance things that tick my box. So I love angst in a romance. So I think this is partly why I don't find lots of, see dramas that appealing these days because I find them quite uh, 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 light um, so I think mm. some people really love an angst-free drama I'm not I love my angst in drama so so for example I'm not a robot which starts light gets really emotional gets really angsty it really twists my heart and I love all of that I <laughs> also really love a black moment in romance that's when you know like right at the end when it feels like all hope is gone and um, the couple are not going to get together and uh you know it's not going to happen I love those moments I love them done really really well and I think that uh, all the four that I've picked have a moment when they've had a taste of how amazing they could be together and then for reasons they can't be together and then there's this black moment when it all seems lost and gone and, and I think these four dramas do it really well um I also love a hero who thinks they don't need anyone else like they're an island and they don't have feelings they don't need emotions so this is obviously healer it's Dong Fang Ting Tong and Kim Ming Kyu uh, uh, and then along comes a hero, heroine to prove them all wrong. And in One Spring Night, uh, the hero himself has convinced himself that because of his own situation, so he's a single dad, and because of his history, he doesn't deserve love. So it's a similar setup until obviously uh, the heroine wa walks into his pharmacy and then ah, all things change. Um, <laughs> and then I also love a scene where they communicate at a fundamental heart-to-heart -heart level and tell each other how they really feel. There's lots of that in, in yeah. I Am Not a Robot, which I love. There's one on the oh, bridge yeah. for... The bridge scene in Love Between Fairy oh, and Devil absolutely so killed good. me. It's so good. And I just it's love so it when, when the walls have come down and they're completely open and vulnerable. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So for me, and, and my mister was a surprise drama for me. So I started it um, when I was finally in the mood for it because I know it's like it was one of those dramas that everybody says is amazing. And I was like, it's on my watch list for ages, but I knew I had to be in a good mood for it. Oh, oh the right mood, not a good mood, right mood for it because <laughs> I knew it was going to be kind of bleak. And obviously it's not a romance. It's slow and dark, but I just think it's genius. I think it's beautiful, multi-layered, amazingly acted, actually ultimately amazingly healing. Uh, and I know that although the Nunas didn't really like this drama and like Megan actively hates it, but, um, <laughs> both me, me and Grace really love my mister. So actually one yes. day we should do like a deep dive on yes. like, you know, like the, the deep dive my mister should have had, but never did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we definitely uh, should do a whole other my mister deep dive to, um, you know, provide an alternative view <laughs> for the, you know, for those, cause it's, it's a little bit of a bummer when you, when you're listening and you love a drama and yeah. And <laughs> so, so hopefully we can, you know, fill that, fill that bucket for, <laughs> for some of the listeners out there who, uh, who loved my mister also. Um, 
So I actually didn't think that deeply. <laughs> Sarah, said, Sarah said, I, you know, this was really hard homework, but I was just like, oh, you know, just pick five jobs. <laughs> um, mine are, um, mine are my comfort rewatch dramas. They are uh, Reply 1988, Go Back Couple, which I am currently rewatching <laughs> for like the fifth or sixth time. Um, Song Yun Gwan Scandal, um, which is kind of like a Joseon era, like a Saguk version style of like um, coffee print kind of that that it's that kind of a story it's a gender swap type of thing um strong woman to bong sun and single uh cunning single lady uh so um one of the reasons i enjoyed these dramas so much is that uh, they each have a pretty unambiguously happy ending and no major loose ends so i find them really satisfying and with the exception of Strong Woman To Pong Sun, where the romance is really the standout, standout part of the drama and the secondary characters are a bit meh or really problematic, mm -hmm. um, all of these other dramas have some really lovely slice of life elements with strong ensemble or supporting casts. Um, I just love spending time with all of the characters. Um, I actually, I actually almost um, swapped out Strong Woman for I Am Not a Robot because I Am Not a Robot is similar in that they have, it has a really good like, you know, supporting cast. But um, I decided, you know, for the listeners, I would <laughs> not duplicate. <laughs> so you have more options. Um, as for the romance elements that really pull me in, I am a huge sucker for enemies to lovers plots. And within that, my favorites are um, second chance reconciliation ro romances. Mm -hmm. So Go Back Couple and Cunning Single Lady are great examples of that, um, where it's a, a couple, they, they have history, they broke up, and now we're like seeing them clear up the misunderstandings, grow personally, and then find their way back to each other. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and then Song Yun Gwan scandal um, has a lot of pure, like glorious enemies to lovers and enemies to friends storylines. Um, and then the second type of uh, romance that I really like, which seems to be on the other end of the spectrum is when the male lead is absolutely weak for the female lead from the very start like because I really love um like when the male leads just just gaze <laughs> at the female leads with all of that like adoration and respect and vulnerability and like heat from the get-go yeah. um like no no negging no downplaying of the female leads beauty or badassery just absolutely like smitten kittens, you know? <laughs> um, so uh, Park Hyung-sik, or uh, so Park Hyung-sik is actually Park Hyung-sik, is um, particularly good at giving this look, um, both in Strong Woman and in Happiness. His, his eyes are just like liquid pools of love every time, you know, he looks at, you know, the 
the female lead. That's so true. Um, yes, <laughs> he's so good. He's just, he's he's just so like, good at like that. oh my gosh, it's it just yeah. melts me honestly. Have you, and have the you way seen they, Have you seen soundtrack number one? I haven't because yeah. I wasn't. I think it was was it on Disney Plus or something? Yeah, well, it's but not in for ages to come into Disney Plus. So I've had it on Disney Plus only recently in the UK. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it came on recently for me. But it's only four episodes, but it's just, it's so this. Like he is. Oh, okay. I have to watch it. Yeah, I have you to do, watch it like this do. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, it's like, because, um, and, and this is like, um, yeah. And, and, and it's, it seems like these are like kind of opposite types of um, romances, but I find that it's really not uncommon in enemies to lover stories for the male lead to be like giving this strong, like look of love, this, this, you know, to the female lead, yeah. except like they hide it. And it's only in moments where she's not looking where like, it like really comes out and it's like, he gazes at her like, Oh my goodness, you're the best. Yes. <laughs> but either, you know, he's in denial. He's like, you know, won't admit himself that he has these feelings or he's hiding it for yeah. one reason or another. But Aww. yeah, I love that look that just like gives away all of his feelings. Oh, yeah. cool. So I need to, so I've never heard of Cunning Single Lady actually, so I need to check that out. But uh, it's an old one. It's, it's an like old one. 20, 2013, I think maybe. Okay, cool. And Sung Jung Kwan's scandal has definitely been on my list for a while because that's like an early Sung Jung Ki, Park Ming Yung um, drama, right? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, Sung Jung Ki is is like he plays a really good character in it. It's a he's a side character. He's not the male lead, but um, yeah, it's 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 a really good ensemble cast too. Cool, cool. I will look at them up. Um, so, right. And I had a question for Grace. So how has it been for you to see the How You Wave grow and everyone be really mad for your culture and want to go to Korea and learn Korean and everyone now knows Korean stars and K-pop and, and all of that versus <laughs> what it must have been like for you to grow up Korean-American in America? Yeah, it is really um, kind of strange and amazing. I mean, and it, it isn't true that everyone is doing these things like because honestly, for the most part, I haven't seen people in real life, like in like day to day, like people I see face to face uh, be mad for my culture. Um, so it hasn't really changed my interactions with like people I, I meet. But um, it's like I've seen it mostly as an online phenomenon. So it feels very much like a compartmentalized other world that I like get to step into when I go into these online spaces and connect with people over Korean food, dramas, um, music, you know, and other cultural things. Um, but I, I mean, the, I have to say that the biggest benefit I've seen from the success of Hallyu is that Korean content is just so accessible now. Yeah. Like, do you like if you need a recipe, there are like dozens, hundreds out there for like the <laughs> same food item. There's probably tens of thousands of kimchi recipes online, you know, <laughs> for example. Um, and then like if you want to listen to K-pop, it's not like some like weird place, special place you have to go. You just like on Spotify and, you know, it, it's all there. Um and dramas, there's lots of streaming platforms and apps and things like that. Um, also, uh, if you want to brush up on your language, which um, you know I 
I am currently taking classes because my grammar is so atrocious. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's lots of options for that too. There's like books and book uh, apps and tutors and Zoom classes. I'm doing a Zoom classes right now, like uh, live ones. Um, and that's it's all really been um, just such a wonderful change because you're right. Growing up uh, Korean American, you know, I still remember. I still remember like you know, playing in the playground with some kid in elementary school and then my dad showing up to pick me up and this, you know, this girl looking at him and then looking at me and looking at him and saying like, why does your dad look so weird? And, you know, it was just for the longest time, I thought I had a weird looking dad. Oh. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I didn't. <laughs> it was just, you know, being Korean was weird. Being Asian was was weird. Um, and like people didn't even know. I think was it you that you sent me um, yeah, a tweet. Um, you know, our Korean dad, Nick Cho's tweet about how nobody even knew what Korea was. You know, people would ask you, are you Chinese? Are you Japanese? And that's where it ended. You know, yeah, yeah, there was yeah. no other knowledge of like other Asian, um, you know, countries. So, yeah. Anyway, so it's a, it's a really great change, um, you know, because everything else, everything used to be hard, you know, you had to go to specific stores to get content or actually go to Korea to get um, to get items like CDs. Um, Korean language classes were a thing uh, that was basically only available if you went to a Korean American church and then like you would have to stay after potluck for hunger hakyo and everybody hated it. <laughs> and um, like, there was no, no such thing as like Korean recipes written in like English. I, th there probably were recipes English, uh, written in Korean, but like mostly you just like watch your parents and grandparents cook and then like ask what the ingredients are and like kind of put it together and hope that it was going to taste right and be like, you know, taste it throughout and, like add a little of this, something's missing, <laughs> you know, that kind of, that was how we cooked, you know, but, you know, starting in like the late aughts uh, with Monk Cheese, you know, YouTube videos, like, you know, everything has come online and everything is more accessible to um, those of us who are like mostly comfortable speaking, reading um, English. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I'm really grateful actually to Hallyu and to technology for giving me this easy access to my Korean culture. Yeah. And for the rest of us to help to, for us to consume the Korean culture. The, so actually Hallyu means a uh, Korean wave already. So when we say Hallyu wave, we are saying Korean wave wave, <laughs> which I sometimes do. <laughs> I sometimes do too, but you know, it, it's not a problem, but <laughs> uh, just, just so everyone knows, uh, Hallyu itself is already Korean wave. Um, and so we don't have to say Hallyu wave. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, I, I actually Googled it and it like, uh, I think it actually came from um, Chinese people talking about how influential Korean oh, really? I should look um, the had become. See yeah, the yeah, it's on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, okay, so a uh, question for you. Um, sometimes 
it can be hard for uh, those of us who grew up with dual cultures to separate which part of us comes from this culture, which part of us comes from that culture. Um, but what do you feel speaks to the Asian part of you when watching Asian dramas? I think um, it's interesting for me, some of the scenes that um, really emotionally get to me, um, a lot of them are tied around filial piety, actually. So this is the Confucian mm. notion of being respectful and of um, almost well, duty uh, and also putting, you know, your parents first and their well-being first in front of yourself. Um uh, it's actually quite a complicated uh, uh, cultural thing to explain in some ways because it bleeds mm -hmm. into absolutely everything. And it's obviously one of those things that we're brought up, you know, I certainly was brought up to to understand how important it was. And I think also especially because we were immigrants in a country, I think my mum made special efforts to make sure that she really embedded this part of our culture in us and also to understand how difficult immigration immigrant life was uh, mm. and how hard especially because we saw so little of our dad she made a real special effort to make sure that we understood how hard he was working mm -hmm. how we as children should pay back that love you know which was to study hard and become you know a doctor or a lawyer so well done Grace yes. by the way for uh, for ticking for ticking the Asian American box but yeah for ticking that Asian immigrant like dream like I kind of I kind of felt I didn't become either a lawyer or a doctor or and I married an accountant so I did quite well on that score <laughs> but um, I failed at the first attempt the the pre-med no didn't go anywhere you didn't become an RD. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, all of that was really... So I think when when it comes to dramas uh, that really touch on this, and I think we had a chat, didn't we, about My Mister, and we're thinking that maybe part of the reason why the drama hit for me in a way that it might not have done for the Nunas was actually some of my own kind of cultural identity and appreciating that journey and that family and all of that obligation and the weight of that obligation on you as a, as a person, as that on your life um, really hit, really hit me. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting actually, because my mum my watches a lot of K-drama too, but we have to spend quite a long time translating for each other because she says the title to me in Chinese and then I have to try and translate it into English and then uh, <laughs> work out whether or not. But thankfully, my mister was very easy to translate because they just translate it into like... Anyway, so she loves the drama too, actually. And we mm -hmm. had a bit of a chat about, you know, the character and why we liked it. Um, so yeah, I think for me, definitely... Um, yeah, that part of it, that that duty, that obligation, the Confucian kind of um, stuff that is is definitely not part of what I consider my Western identity because I'm so mm -hmm. like, you know, fight the patriarchy and like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. like individual yes. rights so and, true. you know, like let's be yeah. a liberal and be a Democrat and all of those things. Um, so, yeah, so that I think that's that definitely is for me the, the difference. So. I would like to go back to answering some of the questions that we posed at the start, Grace. Um, so uh, I loved your question. Like, what is it with people involved in workplace romances calling each other CEO and assistant manager in more intimate settings? <laughs> so I didn't actually research this much or 
you know, at all. Um, so I'm kind of just <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants here. I am not an expert, but this is mostly kind of uh, my sense of things. Um, and it has to do with the fact that Korean society is very hierarchical. And it goes back to that Confucianism um, that is deeply rooted in Korean culture. Um, there's a proper order and level of respect accorded to people of different ages, jobs, seniority, etc. Um, you can see it um, being important in a lot of the introduction type scenes in Korean dramas, um, where people will ask right off the bat things like, what year were you born? What school did you go to? What year did you graduate? What is your occupation? What is your job title? Um, and, and that's all to figure out kind of how to address a person with a proper level of, of respect. Um, I think it's also because there isn't a super comfortable or natural or always polite way of saying you in Korean. Um, like in dramas, I have sometimes seen kuchok uh, uh, or that side used and translated as you. Um, usually that's between strangers or people who are guarded or trying to make it clear that I don't want to have a relationship with you. You are, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to put distance here between us. Um, and then sometimes like the word for you might feel too familiar. Like 당신 is a word that couples uh, call one another and say, use to say you to one another. Um, but it's also a word that might be used to say you in a confrontational way. So like if, you know, it, even between strangers, like on a street, if like you get heated, you might call the other person tangshin. <laughs> I'm not sure why that is, but it seems to be true. Um, and then no, no is super informal. So it's, um, you can really only use not to someone who's very, very close to you, uh, with whom it's been agreed that all honorifics will be dropped or with whom you have always had a relationship without honorifics, like a sibling or a childhood friend. Um, the other option is literally saying the person's name every time you address them. Like, so the other option is literally saying the person's name every time you address them. Like, would Sarah, she, like, or Sarashi like to have lunch together with me? Like you're talking to them, but you say their name to them. Um, but even that might not be the most proper thing to call someone um, if you know them in a context where there are other more appropriate titles. Yeah. So once the title or form of address or hoching has been designated, that becomes the default title. Um, used within that relationship. And it often takes a further conversation to change the titles, um, to drop titles in, or honorifics uh, and honorifics um, once the relationship has uh, evolved past, you know, those, those titles and honorifics. Um, and sometimes people will just do it spontaneously and then like be surprised and like, oh, okay, this, this sounds good. We're going to drop drop the honorifics and sometimes you know they realize like this is awkward let's have a conversation what should we call each other like you know and and be more formal about it oh. um so like you you will hear it in dramas like uh 서로 말 놓을까요? like that means um 
literally to lower your speech because the honorific is like higher. Yeah. And so uh, to lower your speech. Um, and, and sometimes in a super casual situ- situation in a drama, I've seen characters say, Malkaja, which means um, like to peel off the words. <laughs> like literally it <laughs> the, the the literal words <laughs> sounds like 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 cracking a nut or peeling something off um, or o- opening something. <laughs> but it, it also means let's be casual. Yeah. Um, um, but the thing about ro- office romances is that they usually start out as secret relationships. Yeah. So probably the CEO and the secretary or whatever assistant manager don't want to change their forms of address in private and then get in the habit of calling each other like Yobo or <laughs> Chagi or whatever <laughs> and then uh, slip and then say that in, you know, in mixed company or in their place of work and then have everyone be like, oh, you know. <laughs> I see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's why in a lot of the dramas for a very long time, you see the translation is like CEO, secretary, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. But even though they're a couple. Ah, that's so super interesting. So I hadn't realized about you. So that makes so much more sense, actually, because I can hear often they're using the titles or they're using uh, a name, but then the translation in the English is just you. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes a lot. Thanks for that, Grace. That was really interesting. Yeah. Hopefully you guys have a good idea of what we want to do with future episodes. And I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and looking forward to hearing more too. Um, We welcome any questions or suggestions for topics. Have you got any burning issues you want to understand better? Uh, We don't need to just limit to K-dramas. If you have questions related to Chinese culture, we're happy to cover them too. Uh, And we also want to use our wider network uh, as well as our Patreon to bring guests on and feature own voices as much as we can. And hopefully hear also from Koreans who are living in Korea now for some up-to-date info on all the many, many questions that we K-drama fans have about K-dramas. Yes, absolutely. That last part, because I um, will once again say that I don't know everything um, far from it. (laughs) So we definitely welcome questions, suggestions, uh, corrections. (laughs) Um, And, you know, just uh, let us know what topics you're interested in. Uh, Maybe we won't know right away, um, you know, how to answer in an in-depth way, but a part of the fun of and the draw of this for us is uh, getting to reflect on and delve into things about our own cultures uh, and experiences that maybe we took for granted or glossed over uh, for much of our lives. Um, so hopefully you all will enjoy joining us in deepening our understanding of the cultural context that these dramas we all love um, come out of. Yay! Yay. So I was going to say, let's finish today's podcast by saying uh, annyeong, like the way the afternooners do. But can I just check, do we actually, is that how you would say goodbye in Korea? So uh, this is how you would say goodbye if you were in a a close relationship where you don't use any honorifics. So annyeong would be, uh, yeah, you know, to a childhood friend or like to your family members or something like that. Ah. Uh, but if you wanted to match the 
the greeting at the front end of the podcast. Um, yes. So, 안녕하세요 is how you say hello. Yeah. Um, you would say 안녕히 가세요 if the person is leaving. Right. Or 안녕히 계세요 if the person is staying and you're leaving. Okay. So, so 안녕히 가세요 or 안녕히 계세요. But we're both leaving, right? We're leaving our <laughs> listeners now. So what do we say? <laughs> uh, well, um, but they're not going anywhere. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So maybe we would say, 안녕히 계세요. 안녕히 계세요. Okay, 안녕히 계세요. Or we can just go 안녕 because it's so much easier. <laughs> we can just go 안녕. We we just the, through the through the process of this podcast, we have gotten to a level of familiarity where we can say 안녕 so when true. we leave. Yeah, that's so yeah. true. <laughs> We've gotten okay. close. We're buddies yeah. now. <laughs> okay, let's do that then. So uh actually no, let's do no, let's do it properly. I like it. I like I'm gonna try and practice the proper the proper way. Okay. Yeah. Annyeong so ikeseo. So So it's like a G sound, but you like it's aspirated, so you have to breathe through it. Keseo. Annyeong ikeseo. Annyeong ikeseo. Annyeong ikeseo. Yay! Yay! da. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to AfternoonOfDelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!